Hey, are you struggling to enact your faith in your life? Well, we're going to read James 1 today, and we're going to start talking about walking the walk and walking the talk with our faith. We're going to talk about being close to God, having Him number one in our lives, and how that can affect how we go about our day and our actions out in the world as we show people what it's like to live Christian. So join me uh, for James 1 today. Uh, then afterwards, I'm going to take a couple of questions to stay to the end. Also, make sure you check out livingchristian.org, which is our website, as all the previous podcast ep- episodes, all the YouTube videos, our apparel store, Bible verses, all sorts of things that you can check out to help you live a Christian life seven days a week. Livingchristian.org, check it out right now. Now, let's get to the episode. All right, good morning, everybody, or good evening, depending on where and when you're listening or watching this right now. Uh, thank you for joining me for another episode of the Bible Reading and Coffee Drinking. Uh, we're diving in to James today, so we're going to do James 1 today. So for the next few episodes, we're going to go all the way through the book of James. <clears throat> the book of James is a fantastic book. It's one of my go-to books, quite frankly. Whenever I kind of need to uh, reassessed, uh, reassess my walk with Christ and how active I am in my Christianity— uh, and how active I am with showing my faith uh, out to the world. I like to read the book of James. Uh, it's it's all about kind of walking the walk and walking the talk, so to speak, uh, and expressing and living through living through Christ and letting Him live through us uh, to where we can do good works and good deeds and show people what being a Christian is all about. So that is the book of James in a nutshell. Uh, it was written for those who don't know. Uh, by uh, Jesus' brother, actually, his half-brother. That is, and it's towards the end of the Bible. It's one of the letters that he's writing to the tribes of Israel. Uh, And it's after all of Paul's letters. Um, Fantastic book. Written about, I don't know, 40, 45 uh, AD. So roughly, you know, 20 years or so, 20, 25 years after uh, the crucifixion. So now James, the brother of Christ, has written us a nice book. And uh, there are five chapters in this. And we're going to dive into James 1 today. Uh, so if you have your Bibles handy, please read along. If not, if you're watching this live, if you're listening to it afterwards on the uh, on the podcast or on YouTube, and you just want to sit back and listen to me read, um, that's a great way to do it, too. Uh, we're going to answer sort of a few questions at the end, uh, so stay tuned until after I read the book of James, James 1, that is, uh, and I'll answer a few questions from my listeners. Okay, so let's dive into James 1, have a sip of coffee first, and we'll uh, get going. All right, James 1, greetings from James. This letter is from James, a slave of God and of the Lord Jesus Christ. I am writing to the 12 tribes, Jewish believers scattered abroad. Greetings. So this is post, after the crucifixion, Paul, the apostles, everybody's out building the church, okay? Uh, They're spreading uh, from the Middle East area to Asia, to Europe, Greece. They're all over the place building and starting these churches and these communities uh, of, 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 we'll call them new Christians. Uh, certainly were either Jewish or Gentile people that have made the decision to start to follow the teachings of Jesus Christ and, and believe that Jesus was God. So that's who James is kind of writing to now. This is after Paul's letters that he wrote to those churches, and this is from James. So uh, verse 2, uh, Dear brothers and sisters, when troubles of any kind come your way, consider it an opportunity for great joy. For you know when that when your faith is tested, your endurance has a has a chance to grow. So let it grow, 
For when your endurance is fully developed, you will be perfect and complete, needing nothing. Whew. I mean, troubles. He's talking about when troubles come our way, look at it to be an opportunity for joy. When our faith is tested, we have a chance to grow. And there's so much truth to that. And I won't harp too much on the beginning. I want to keep going. But there's so much truth to when we get tested, when our faith gets tested, we learn from those experiences and we only grow. Okay, verse 5. If you need wisdom, ask our generous God and he will give it to you. He will not rebuke you for asking. But when you ask when you ask him, be sure that your faith is in God alone. Do not waver, for a person who divided who, with divided loyalty, excuse me, is an unsettled as a wave of the sea that is blown and tossed by the wind. Such people should not expect to receive anything from the Lord. Their loyalty is divided between God and the world, and they are unstable in everything that they do. So what he's talking about, James is talking about there is if you ask of the Lord for wisdom and other things, he'll provide it. But you've got to be uh, have your faith with him and him alone. If you're him on, if you're uh, lukewarm, as we like to say in the Christian community, if you're lukewarm about it, God won't answer you because you're still dedicated and tied to the world. You still have your hopes and dreams in this world and not only in God. Uh, verse 9, Believers who are poor have something to boast about, for God has honored them. And those who are rich should boast that God has humbled them. They will fade away like a little flower in the, in the field. The hot sun rises and the grass withers. The little flower droops and fails, and the beauty fades away. In the same way, the rich will fade away with all of their achievements. Whew. Verse 12, God blesses those who patiently endure testing and temptation. Afterwards, they will receive the crown of life that God has promised to those who love him. And remember, when you are tempted, do not say, God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong, and he never tempts anyone else. Temptation comes from our own desires, which entice us and drag us away. These desires give birth to sinful actions, and when sin is allowed to grow, it gives birth to death. Ooh, whoa. I got to take a sip of coffee. We're going to talk about that little section. All right. There are many times where we feel that God does absolutely everything in this world. Okay? And we get in trouble when we do that. Yes, God is the all-powerful, all-knowing creator, and he created life, and he controls life. I understand that, and I believe that in my heart. However, where non-believers get in trouble— and where Christians have a hard time defending at times is why did God let this happen, right? Bad things happen in the world, war, famine, etc. Why did God let these things happen? If you, and you, and James kind of addresses that a little bit in the form of temptation, right? Because he's talking about sin and bad stuff, right? And he says, when you're being tempted, do not say God is tempting me. Because he's talking about temptation coming from our own desires and dragging us into sin. God's not the one that causes you to sin. If, if we have bad thoughts, if we have temptations, if we do bad things, it's not because God allow or wants us to do those bad things. It's the fact that we have free will. James is talking about free will right there, right? He's talking about the fact that when you're tempted, do not say God is tempting me. God is never tempted to do wrong. God doesn't want us to sin. He doesn't want to tempt us. It's our free will. He's talking about the free will that God gave us. 
You can't have it both ways. You can be in the position to where, hey, I want free will. I want to do what I want. But then you can't blame God for when we do bad things and we make bad decisions or we fall to our temptations. Those are the evil spirits at work, the demons at work, our own human, our fallen human nature at work. All right, let's dive in a little bit more. All right, it's verse 16. Sorry, I got a little sidetracked there. So do not, don't be misled, my dear brothers and sisters. Whatever is good and perfect is a gift coming down from us from God the Father, who created all the lights in the heaven. He never changes or casts a shifting shadow. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. And we, out of all creation, became his prized possession. Okay, that's, that's the end of that section. We've got one more section left, but... Listen to what James is telling us right now. Okay, don't be misled. God won't mislead us. God won't tempt us. What he does do is everything good and perfect comes from him. The bad stuff doesn't. The good stuff does. And I love this last line. He chose to give birth to us by giving us his true word. Word. And when out of all of creation, we became his prized possession. That's why we are different. We have dominion over everything on this earth, right? A lot of scientists and evolutionary people and non-believers out there just act like we're animals and we evolved and there's nothing special about us. But I'm telling you right here in James, he's saying that we are God's prized possession. Think about that as, I know it's hard sometimes because many times we don't feel like we're God's prized possession, we feel fallen, we feel left alone, we feel abandoned, we feel hurt, we feel tempted, all those bad stuff. But we're that is part of this fallen world. We're still God's prized possession. He still loves us more than anything else he's ever created. Remember that today as you're getting ready, you're going to school, you're going to work. Whatever problems you're dealing with in your life, Whatever way you feel about yourself, I think sometimes we get down on ourselves and we just don't feel like we're worthy. But James, the half-brother of Jesus, is writing and telling you that you are God's prized possession. Believe it. Embrace it. It's a glorious thing. All right? Uh, let's, uh, let's move on to 19. Listening and doing. Have a sip of coffee. Understand this, my dear brothers and sisters, you must all be quick to listen, slow to speak, and slow to anger. I have that highlighted in my Bible. If I were you, I would highlight as well. It's James 1, verse 19, one of my favorites. Uh, that is some wisdom beyond anything that I can give you today. Be quick to listen, slow to speak, slow to get angry. Sit down, shut up, listen to other people. No matter what they say, don't get angry. Be chill about it, okay? Human anger, verse 20, human anger does not produce the righteousness God desires. So get rid of all the filth and evil in your lives and humbly accept the word God has planted in your hearts, for it has the power to save your souls. Ooh. Verse 22, but don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. The God's word he's talking about is the scriptures in the Bible, okay? Don't just listen to God's word. You must do what it says. Otherwise, you are only fooling yourselves. For if you listen to the word and don't obey, it's like glancing in the face in the mirror. You see yourself, walk away, and forget what you look like. But if you look carefully into the perfect law that sets you free, and if you do what it says and don't forget what you heard, 
then God will bless you for doing it. If you claim to be religious, but don't control your tongue, you are fooling yourself and your religion is worthless. We're going to come back to that one. Verse 27, pure and genuine religion in the sight of God, the Father means caring for orphans and widows in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. So let's, let's, let's talk about the end, 26 and 27 for a second. You know, nowadays, people that call other people like me and, and you guys, hopefully, religious, they almost mean it as a demeaning nature. Uh, a lot of times we talk about we're believers, which is true. Uh, we're faithful. Uh, people say that they're spiritual, which I don't like. Uh, that that's, that's Being religious is fine, but with a caveat. All right, let's read what James says one more time. So if you claim to be religious, and what, they, what he means by that, if you claim to follow Christ, if you claim to live a life in that religion, but you don't control your tongue, go back up here to 19, right? You must be quick to listen, slow to speak. That's what he's talking about. You're only fooling yourself, and your religion is worthless. Pure and genuine religion in the sight of God and the Father means caring for orphans and widows, in their distress and refusing to let the world corrupt you. You want to be a Christian? He's giving us exactly what it means to live a Christian lifestyle right here in 26 and 27. Control your tongue. Be quick. Don't, don't judge everybody else. Be quick to listen and slow to speak. And go out and act on it. Act on your faith. Live the way Jesus lived and the way he would want you to live. Caring for orphans and widows, and refusing, I love the last line, refusing to let the world corrupt you. That's a tough one. But as we're going back to what he's talking about, you know, at the beginning, that we're his prized possession, God doesn't tempt us, the world does. And even at the beginning of uh, James 1, where he's talking about praying, and God will answer your prayers and give you wisdom if. You focus on him and him alone and not this world. Then he closes one with pure and genuine religion, pure faith in God, is refusing to let the world corrupt you. So it's all about that singular focus on God. The whole James 1 is talking about that. Being tempted, bad stuff in the world happening, but on the flip side is if you pray and you mean it, and you focus only on God, and you don't live a false religion, you live it the way you're supposed to, by caring for others, and not letting the world corrupt you, then you'll have that relationship with God. And that's what he's really talking about there, right? Is having that relationship, uh, that relational nature with God that we all strive for. Because if you're just religious, per se, but you're not living a lifestyle worthy of that, as, as being a prized possession of God, as it talks about. And you're not working on your relationship with God, and you're not putting Him first above everything else, then you're going to be tempted. Then you're going to have a—you're not going to bite your tongue. You're not going to be quick to listen. You're going to get angry. Focus on your relationship with God today. That's my, that's, that's my advice, as much as I can give it to you. And we're going to talk about that. I think I'm going to do a whole podcast about that. Um, soon, after we get done with James. Because I want to talk about habits that we can form uh, and uh, that helps us with our relationship with God. So I'll get to that in a couple of weeks. But for right now, the lesson from James 1 is focus on God and God alone. 
Um, don't be hypocritical. Uh, be slow to speak, slow to get angry, quick to listen. Don't let this world corrupt us, because it will. The devil's working hard, and we need to be up for the challenge, okay? All right, hopefully you guys like James 1. We'll do James uh, 2 on Friday. So I'm going to hit a couple of questions here. So if you're live on Instagram, make sure you hit uh, the question mark on the bottom, and I'll answer a couple of questions, okay? All right, let's answer uh, you know two or three questions here, and then we'll get about our week. I'm ready to get going. i got lots of stuff to do. Um, uh, is it? Uh, I'll answer the top one. Okay, it's fine. It's it's always a, it's a tough one and whatever. Uh, it's is it nearing the end of the world? I swear I'm not crazy. It's just that the world is becoming so dark. There must be a boiling point at some point. Must be a boiling point. Okay, a um, couple things can be true at the same time. One is are things becoming darker and uh, and tougher out in the world? I would say yes, it feels that way. Now, part of it is the fact that we're exposed to a lot more right now. We we see everything on our phone screens, on our TV. We are living in a kind of a world society where we see everything happening to everybody all the time. So you're seeing all the, the dark and dirty uh, of what's happening out there. Whereas if you went back 30 or 40 years ago, you didn't. Right. I mean, I'm old enough to remember where we had to wait till the next day to get the newspaper to see what was happening in our communities and in the world. So right now, that overexposure of information may also be exposing us to uh, the things that are happening in this world that uh, could have always been happening in some form or fashion. I think that's true to a degree. OK, uh, so we're watching the news all day. We're watching social media all day. And people rarely share good things. They really share troubling things, uh, the clickbait stuff and the stuff that's kind of fascinating. So we live in this weird news entertainment culture to where we don't have the news anymore. We don't have entertainment anymore. It's meshed together into some sort of uh, ratings fiasco to where uh, everything's about trying to get you glued to the screen. Okay, so that's it's always been that way, because if you go back through history, read, read your Bibles, right? There were a lot of bad stuff that was going on. Read at the beginning of the Bible. Some of these things that happen in, in Chronicles and Kings is rough stuff that is going on in the world, quite frankly. Uh, it was tough. Uh, and, and so I, I would argue that we're still living in the best of times in the history of, of humanity. Uh, think about all the things we have and all the opportunities we have, and the abundance of things that we have. Uh, and, and you can still argue that we're still living in the best times in the history of the planet. Okay, let's be honest. Uh, but saying that, if you go back to James 1, talking about not letting the world corrupt us, there are bad things that are happening out there. Uh, do I think that we're having more hurricanes and stuff? I don't know. I don't, I don't, I don't pay too much attention to those things. Uh, but there are atrocities in this world, and we are terrible to each other at times. Okay, so uh, when I said two things can be true at the same time, I think on one hand, we are exposed to uh, a lot more of the negativity and the bad stuff happening out there. Um, On the flip side, the other thing that can be true at the same time is, uh, yeah, I I do think there still can be worse things that are happening, and God can be giving us warning signs, and we can be dealing with birth pains. Do I think this is the end of the world? No, I think people have been saying that for hundreds of years, quite frankly. Uh, everything was going to be the end of the world. Uh, everything's going to be the apocalypse. Uh, everything's going to be Jesus coming back today. Is he coming back today? I don't know. Maybe. I, I, I'm I, Honestly, I'm not that worried about it. Um, I think we get too focused on the negativity and that you're living too worldly 
as we just read at the end of James 1. Don't let the world corrupt you. If Jesus were to come back, or uh, if the Antichrist uh, did a, uh, um, an agreement and a treaty with Israel for seven years today, and we were like, oh, this is it. This is the beginning. This is the beginning of the tribulation. Uh, okay. Uh, is it going to not be fun? Yeah. Uh, is, are we going to get raptured? I don't know. I mean, does it matter to me long term? No. Uh, at, at that point, all I would be excited about would be uh, the, my, me joining Jesus and being with God permanently for my eternity is right around the corner. Uh, and that's an exciting kind of prospect. So don't get too hung up on those things. Uh, Jesus could come back today. He could come back 200 years, 2,000 years. Uh, ultimately, it, um, you know, it doesn't really matter to me. I try to not focus on those things. This is just a temporary place that we are living in. And uh, if you can have that eternal perspective, uh, you can deal with a lot of the garbage that happens here on earth. So, uh, sorry, that was a long answer to a very short question. Uh, the short answer is, I don't know if we're in the end of times, but uh, uh, if so, that's uh, I'm ready for it. Uh, all right, uh, let's uh, scroll through and see what else we have. What are, you, are your opinions about young marriage? Question. Uh, I have a sip of coffee and I'll, I'll uh, answer that. Mm. I think it uh, depends on what you classify as young marriage. Okay, first and foremost, <laughs> I mean... Uh, I mean, Mary and Joseph were young, right? Mary, uh, uh, the, the mother of Christ, is believed to be roughly 15 years old uh, back at those, uh, those times. So saying that, uh, I'm not sure about the age and, and, uh, of what's going on now. But I will say this, regardless of whether you're 20 years old, 30 years old, 40 years old, uh, if um, you know, any marriage, uh, as you enter any marriage, in order for it to work out, uh, and uh, be successful and happy. And uh, it's got to be a marriage of three. Uh, that is how I believe. I think you have to have your the husband and your wife, and in the middle of the relationship, you got to have Christ. And uh, so if you have, if you're forming your marriage uh, with the three uh, in the marriage, I think you have your best chance of success. Keep Jesus in the middle of your marriage. And it's no coincidence that uh, we read all through the Bible about the Trinity, the Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit, the, the rule of three, three relational beings in there, and now marriage really should be three relational beings in the same thing. It should be Father, or I'm sorry, um, <laughs> sorry, husband, wife, and Jesus. Uh, so if you have that uh, uh, in, in your marriage, if you have Jesus in the middle of your marriage, uh, I believe uh, that's how it is supposed to be. So that is my best advice for you um, for that. Uh, whether you're young, old, middle, and regardless, uh, you've got to have Jesus in your marriage. That Christ foundation is what's going to make your marriage work, regardless of the age. Okay? All right, one more question, and then we'll get out of here. you got a lot on here, guys. Let me scroll through for a second, and then I'll, I'll read, okay? Uh, I'll stick with the marriage theme because one right below that is it open relationships in a marriage a sin and why? Yes, absolutely is a sin. Uh, open a relationship in a marriage is adultery. Uh, I'm not going to be. I'm not even going to hem haw about that. Uh, sorry to sound like an old man from Texas. I'm not even going to hem haw about that. Yes, absolutely, an open marriage is sinful. Uh, adultery is mentioned many, many times in the Bible as a, as a terrible sin. Heck, Jesus even told his disciples, if you look at another woman in lust, it's adultery and it's sinful. So if looking at another woman in lust is adultery, then certainly uh, having an open marriage 
is uh, considered adultery in the eyes of the Lord. That is not uh, what a marriage is supposed to be. I'm sorry if this hurts your feelings, but I'm going to go back to the, the, the second question I just had. If you have Jesus in your marriage, marriage is supposed to be for life, people, right? This is something, a covenant, a, a, a relationship that is God-given and God-blessed to where he gives you a partner to go through life with because you need somebody else to go through life with. Period. It's not. A, it, that's what it's about. And you need Jesus in the middle of it, and that is a marriage, a unity of two people with Jesus in the middle of it forming a perfect unity. Okay? That's it. So if you're, you're in some strange, open relationship, just stop it. Repent, pray, and form that bond with your wife or your husband. That's supposed to be your best friend and the one you do everything with and the one you don't stray from in this world. So just stop, okay? So just stop. Uh, I'm not even going to play with that, okay? That's it's sinful. It's adulterous. Just stop it. Marriage is a covenant that I think has been diluted in our today, our society today. And we need to rebuild it and how important it is. Uh, a good society and successful society has uh, family and marriage in the core of it. When the marriage breaks down and the family breaks down, this is what we have. I live in America. I live in Texas. Our country right now has the highest divorce rate and the lowest single motherhood and single parent rate it's ever had in the history of our country, and look is what is happening in our culture, society, and country right now. Period. That's it. Marriage and family is the foundation for a, a, a successful society. And when you put Jesus in the middle of that foundation, we flourish. Cultures flourish. Towns flourish. States flourish. Uh, countries flourish. And when you take Jesus out, the marriage crumbles. The family crumbles. And our society crumbles. That's it. I'm, I, I hope I'm crystal clear on that, and I don't think there's any room to wiggle on that. I'm sorry, but I just think that's that's my opinion, and, I, and that's what the Bible says, and that's what I believe. All right. Wow, I got all, I got all, got all dad on you guys, didn't I? All right, say, have a sip of coffee, and we'll say a prayer uh, and get about our uh, Monday. All right, dear Heavenly Father, thank you so much for bringing us together today. I know it's been a rough couple of weeks here in the Jackson household for sure, but everybody's dealing with their own stresses and anxieties and problems and temptations and everything else that we just talked about in James 1, Lord. And um, we're coming to you and, and, and telling you that you are the most important thing in our lives. When, when we don't make you the most important things of our lives, our lives become susceptible to the devil, we fall to temptation. We stray from our principles, our marriages fall apart, our families fall apart, and our society falls apart. We're sorry, Lord. We are fallen creatures, and we need you so much to keep us together. We are broken, and we need you to heal us. So I'm asking you, Lord, to heal the people that are on this episode today, the people that are watching and listening to us, Heal their hearts, heal their minds, and heal their lives. Thank you so much for the lessons we learned in James 1. And we'll keep them as we go about our day. In Jesus' name we pray. 
Amen. All right, guys. Love you guys. Have a great rest of the week. We'll hit uh, we'll hit James 2 on Friday. Until next time, keep Jesus on your heart and forever on your mind. Love you guys.